Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Deanna Minnick. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast, where we explore how you can get some more color, creativity, and healing in your everyday life. We get to look at the spectrum of eating, living, feeling, and creating that you're all about. So let's dive into the inspiration and information rainbow that awaits us. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Deanna. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast. In this episode, I'm interviewing Erin Knight. Erin is a trained engineer and has also personally experienced migraines. And that, much like many others, uh, led her on the path to finding solutions. And so what we're going to talk about in this discussion is... What do migraines really mean? What are the physical things to be looking at? And perhaps what's the deeper mental, emotional root? So have a listen in and uh, see what you can take away for yourself here as it relates to keeping the balance between what your body is telling you and what you're experiencing in your environment. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Today on the show, I have Erin Knight, and she's going to talk with us more about overcoming migraines, which is going to be such an interesting topic. So welcome, Erin. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. So I ask everybody the same question when they first come onto the show, and that is, would like to know your favorite color. What, what <laughs> color really speaks to you right now? Purple's been my favorite color for a long time. I, I denied it for a while, but now I'm just embracing it and everything's purple. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And and how come you denied it? Did you have a certain association with purple? Yeah, I think I thought of it as like something for little kids, maybe. <laughs> or oh, that, yeah. you know, adults should wear like nice neutral grown up colors, but then I'm like, no, I just love purple, so <laughs> You know, isn't that interesting what you just said about how there are certain societal imprints around color and what we need to do at certain stages of the life cycle. And so Mm -hmm. like adults kind of buckling down and wearing a lot of these neutral tones and kind of losing a lot of our color. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's interesting to me as well that you like purple because when we talk about migraines, you know, I have the seven systems of health and the one that correlates to the brain and to the neurological system primarily is this color indigo. So it's kind of a blue-purple color. So it kind of looks like your your life mission is um, is connected on into these these colors, at least. Something to do with the head, yeah. It makes sense <laughs> from that perspective. Another thing I thought about with the systems is, like, when I go to a yoga class, for example, and at the end they go around and, like, put, put essential oil on your head or something like that or, like, give you a little head massage sometimes the instructor will be like oh my gosh there was like so much energy in your head I it, it almost scared me or something like that mm. <laughs> so I like you know that's not something that's apparent to me to me but it's apparent to these like very in tune um body workers or, or yeah. yoga teachers and stuff like that they're like oh every, all your energy is in your head and I was like okay <laughs> the purple makes sense from that perspective too You know, it's interesting because um, you have a background in pharmaceutical engineering from the University of Michigan, and Mm -hmm. it's um, pretty amazing to me because you do come at 
health and healing from that very grounded left brain approach? I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that when you started to have migraines yourself, that you probably tried to just logically figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a lot of people, the first thing that I looked at was, you know, trying an elimination diet or trying to work around, you know, known lifestyle things like sleep. Sleep's really important for people with um, migraines to have like a consistent sleep schedule and stuff like that. So I worked on those things and try, you try and try and try to figure out the food triggers. That's a little tricky, but, um, you know, it ended up being a lot more than that, but you're right. Like my first instinct was to approach it really from a physical aspect and, and looking at the biochemistry of what was going on rather than looking at the whole picture. Was there something that you found? So you mentioned the elimination diet. Was that one of the things that you found was, you know, seemed to be efficacious or there seemed to be some symptom relief? Was that, was food the, the bane of much of the pain? Um, in a roundabout way. So down the road, I found out that a lot of it had to do with gluten, but early on when you do an elimination diet. So I I still remember like going to the, to the doctor's office and they hand me a piece of paper. They're like, you need to avoid these foods for uh, a couple months, two, three months and see if it helps. So I took the list home and just eliminated all of the foods that were on it. So that brought me down from, you know, eating, maybe a kind of a standard American diet. All I was eating for that summer was like carrot sticks, <laughs> eggs, celery, like chick- lean chicken, like between the whole concept of like low fat diet that was popular in the nineties. And then this elimination diet, there was like no foods left. So I think something that people, um, I've noticed a lot of people with migraines tend to be kind of type A and really good at following directions. So mm-hmm. I was really good at like taking those things out, but I forgot to fill in in the gaps and like explore new foods and, and ended up being kind of malnutrition. So I can't say if it helped or not, because frankly, I was starving the whole summer. I (laughs) would get headaches because of low blood sugar, because I was hungry, Mm. because I didn't know what to eat. So for me, it was kind of a disaster. And I help people now if they're interested in, in trying that method or just whenever they're doing like a food sensitivity test and they have to take out certain foods, I really make sure to stress to people to go look for more variety. So you took something out, but what, what, what can you put in instead? What new foods can you try? And, um, you know, something I like about the rainbow diet approach and, and your book and everything like that is it kind of challenges people to like look for the color of food and then kind of explore all the different foods that they haven't tried. Like I didn't really grow up eating eggplant, for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're focused or focused on purple vegetables and you can go have like purple asparagus and eggplant and cabbage and, and getting out of your comfort zone. And I think exploring the colors is one way to do that. Um, and also just realizing like if you're taking things out, it's really important to add something else back in. <laughs> so you're not at the point of elimination diet isn't, isn't to be restricting and starving yourself. Yeah, I really like how you said that, that we have to think of the balance, right? The yin and the yang, the masculine, the feminine, and kind of look at the essence of what we're taking out and then what we're putting back in. And my question to you, since you've done so much research for yourself on this and then have now started to help other people with their migraines, are there certain foods that you find can be beneficial for those with migraines? Or did you find just through your just through trial and error that it's more about the foods to take out 
than it is about the foods that we're adding back. I don't know if that makes sense, but the, it's it's really looking at that balance, that whole, you know, because there are certain foods that might be good for inflammation. And if somebody has inflammation and that's at the root of their migraines, those foods would be good. So I don't mm-hmm. know if, if what you have found there. You know, you mentioned some colored foods, the purple colorful foods. Are there certain foods that you have found to be really essential to consider for migraine sufferers? Um, a couple of foods that help people with relief, most people I would say, are ginger and, and turmeric because of their anti-inflammatory powers. But I say that with a kind of an asterisk because everybody's different. And a lot of times I'm finding people with who have had a history of chronic headaches like I did, they took, um, you know, I, I certainly took a lot of ibuprofen and, and things like that that ended up damaging my gut. So I ended up having food sensitivities. And if somebody has um, food sensitivities, that can be to healthy foods, even to something like turmeric or ginger. So it's, you know, <laughs> hopefully it's so not getting too know? complicated. Do we, but, do we all yeah. have to do the elimination diet and just figure it out? Or are there shortcuts and labs that we can do in order to figure that out in a more streamlined way? Yeah, absolutely. Doing an elimination diet is one way, but it does, it's kind of intensive and, and could take a long time to actually figure all these things out. So I like to do food sensitivity testing if I suspect somebody's having that. And I would, I would be worried if somebody has a lot of like body inflammation and, and very frequent headaches, not just migraines, but frequent um, headaches. And then I found that people oftentimes have immune reactions to even healthy foods. So that's a way to, you know, cut to the chase <laughs> and make sure that you're getting foods. But otherwise, um, my other tip on that one, as far as like finding the foods that are right for you, is to take um, kind of a holistic perspective with food food journaling. And I challenge people when they when they write down their foods. I really don't care if it's like half a cup of this and Paul, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I want to know how somebody feels when they eat different food, and that, and to get people to start paying attention to that because a lot of times, uh, or one one major trigger for people's migraines will be blood sugar crashes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the best way I found to overcome that is start to pay attention to what gives you this full, nourished, satisfied feeling after you eat without feeling, you know, um, ramped up or, <laughs> um, you know, a little bit anxious or stressed or something like that for that spike and then crashing later in the afternoon and not having any energy. And, and I can't say there's, you know, I, I think people that like that structure and like instructions would like somebody to hand them a diet and say here's what you need to eat but really the best way would be to start to listen because I think it even varies like from week to week month to month I'll be drawn to one week you know I'm wanting more lots and lots of greens (laughs) and another Mm -hmm. week I'm like craving fats and one day I one one week I might really be needing some more protein to feel balanced. And another week I have just no interest in that. So I think being able to listen to it and go with go with the flow of that a little bit is a more useful skill than trying to figure out the perfect meal plan, the perfect macronutrient ratio. 
Yeah, for, so listening but, to one's body and acting accordingly, that, that definitely makes sense. And what you're tapping in there uh, with blood sugar makes a lot of sense because that's something we're continually confronted with. You know, we wake up, how do we feel? Are we fatigued? You know, it's that cortisol-insulin access. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of wondering, too, because... Um, what interfaces with cortisol and insulin, of course, is the, the sex hormones. And mm-hmm. I know that for many people that are going through perimenopause, they may not have uh, had headaches their whole life. And then all of a sudden, they start getting headaches. Mm-hmm. And so those headaches um, seem to be connected into not so much blood sugar, but it's about hormones. And I'm just curious, with all the different headache types, because there are so many, a blood mm-hmm. sugar headache is different than a stress headache is different than a hormone headache. So how do you make a distinction amongst all the different kinds of headaches, all the different mm-hmm. placement of the pain? And, mm-hmm. you know, is it all kind of the same foundational things we have to be looking at or do they need to be a little bit different? Um, yes and yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so yes, most people that I talk to do have more than one kind of Headache. So to just say we're looking at migraines is a little bit misleading because we want to also look at the blood sugar headaches or the, the stress tension headaches. And, and sometimes those can build up and then trigger a full-blown migraine. So they are, you know, it's useful to take them all into consideration. I think, um, you know, they come back down to the foundations of balancing your hormones, balancing your gut health, balancing your outlook on life to not feel so stressed and things like that so it does all those different types of headaches just like you know skin rashes or joint inflammation all of those things actually tie back down to the same foundation so as long as somebody's on a path of getting healthier mentally emotionally (laughs) spiritually physically they're going to be on the right path to having fewer um headaches and migraines but at the same time it, it it does help or to you know, dive in and, and move things along a little bit faster if we can figure out, look by looking, let's say at a Dutch hormone panel, we can see estrogen metabolism. We can figure out if there's a problem with like phase one detoxification, phase two detoxification. How can we support that with certain foods or um, lifestyle habits and things like that to re- rebalance it quicker? So yes, it's all coming down to the same things, but by pinpointing the type of headache and the system is related to, I think it can be a little bit more targeted and, and efficient. Yes. One of the things that you mentioned was not just food, but you kind of said in everything that you said right there, mental, emotional, spiritual, you know, you're kind of alluding into the the lifestyle factors too. And you even talked about sleep early on. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the, the other lifestyle things, the mental, emotional parts that can be connected into migraines and headaches. What, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, living a very stressful life, not having work-life balance, you know, some of the obvious things, but are there things that we may not know about or just may, may not be as obvious? Yeah, something that surprised me, um, like how deeply it's connected, is kind of these thought patterns that form us as we're really young. Um, 
you know, some people will call it early childhood trauma and trauma looks like different things to different people. But, you know, I'll share a personal example. I was always, you know, somewhere along the line of my childhood, <laughs> I formed a strong impression that being late um, to things was very, very bad. <laughs> so when I was, you know, driving someplace or going someplace, I would, and I was even at a 10% risk of being, let's say two minutes late, I would be freaking out like hormonally. <laughs> I could feel all the stress hormones going crazy in my, in my body. My heart would be racing. I would probably be driving the person that I was with absolutely insane, checking the clock and checking the map and worrying if we're going to be late. Like such a small thing was in essence, like a trauma <laughs> repeating itself on, you know, how often do you go to things and have to be on time? This could be happening four or five times in a day. And I was putting myself in that high stress mode four or five times a day over something like that. So, I mean, yes, you know, it's when people talk about childhood trauma, there's, you know, certain obvious events that, you know, can be causing that. But sometimes it can be as simple as having this, you know, falsely strict idea around being on time. It's not that I, you know, today I've learned to relax about that a lot. It's not that I want to be late or disrespectful. I think being on time is important and I, you know, leave enough time to get some things somewhere but I also remind myself that it's not the end of the world and it's not worth going into <laughs> this chemical chaos in my body over being a little bit late if I'm late then I apologize and move on <laughs> wow well you know and what you just identified there it's almost like the elimination diet where we look at what foods are causing the trigger mm -hmm. and similarly in our lives we have to look at what is causing the trigger and you were able to discern that you had this pressure with time. You had this relationship mm -hmm. with time and it was imprinted and it's almost like you created your own sense of that urgency, right? And one of the things that you mentioned first was about how these type A people, people that just have greater stress vigilance, more cardiovascular types of tendencies, you know, um, they, they just respond quickly and with a lot of stress it, it's almost like what is our point of of stress what is our trigger and I think we all have that you know I I'm just the opposite with time so my husband even jokes with me about it he's kind of like mm -hmm. you just like to leave really late to see if you can make it and you like the <laughs> feel of adrenaline oh my god we have yeah. a ferry system here in Washington State, which you live in Washington as well, so you know. And so it's always like, can I get to the ferry at just the nick of time, you know, just as it's leaving versus, you know, I don't want to be waiting there for like 30 minutes in this long line of cars. So it's interesting because it's just like flying in an airplane, right? Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are actually so phobic that they won't fly. We have to know what our triggers are, and I think some people, they're coming up against their triggers every day, and they don't realize the amount of stress that it piles onto them, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, you know, doing that work, and do you coach people to find how they can uh, kind of whittle through their lives and, and kind of separate the, um, the, the, the noise and, and find what those distillations are so that they can actually make some lifestyle changes? Yes. I mean, of course, everybody wants to start right in with the testing and the food and the, those kinds of things, because I think that's where the answer holds. But in, a, in, in reality, the people that I see making the long-term changes and getting real results are really starting to look at the bigger picture of things like that. So on my team, I have health coaches, life coaches, and nutritionists to help people look at these things 
you know, beyond, beyond the obvious. And, and everybody, I don't know, people get there eventually, you know, maybe six months in or, or a year in, I'm seeing people that are, you know, starting to work from home one day and, and starting to change their weekly pattern or they've moved to a job that's closer to their house. So they have a shorter commute and, and looking at ways to free up time for some of these self-care things. And then also starting to look at the, the thought patterns that affect, you know, your, I call it your out, life outlook because it's one thing to look at stress as, you know, busyness or overcommitment and everything like that, but also stress is in those reactions. Like how do you, how do you have compassion for the <laughs> crazy drivers on the highway <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and not worrying about being late or all those kinds of things are what really reduce stress for me. So I do try to share that through um, coaching and just sharing stories. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I, I really like your mission of, of helping people along this path because I feel like it's not even, you know, migraines can be our target, but I think that there's something broader here. It's really about how we live our lives and looking at how the migraine can simply be the top of the iceberg and underneath there can be so many different things. Do you mm-hmm. ever use color? I'm kind of curious if... Um, you know, I know I'm really big into color and not everybody is, but um, you have a four-step migraine freedom process. And I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious about how that flows and, you know, what are some patterns that you see and what are some things that you feel like are just really solid and need to be included into this this type of program? So what is the four-step migraine freedom process? Okay, well, the four steps are dream, dive, heal, and thrive and that involves you know first seeing that seeing migraines as a as a signal that something's off and and opening up to that possibility that's even an option to be free of them because like for a long time I had watched my mom having migraines when I grew up and then when I started to have them I, I was in the mindset of treating them you know minimizing them avoiding triggers but I never once thought that I could just completely be free of them and what what would life be like if mm. I didn't have them so that's a good first step because in the end it does require some changes some some reflection some work so you have to be primed for that and then the dive part is really looking at some of the underlying issues and hormones, um, looking for gut pathogens, food sensitivities, all that with uh, functional lab testing. And then um, heal is like setting the stage for your body to be able to heal itself. So maybe taking a little bit of extra time for self-care, you know, taking a little bit extra effort with those nutrition choices um, and committing to a period of time where you're going to set the set the stage for healing because sometimes mentally it's hard to say like I'm going to give up sugar forever (laughs) but Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. you can give up anybody can do it for 90 days and and at least get started on that path so that's kind of what that phase is about and then the thrive is really about okay I'm feeling better I want to maintain these healthy habits so how do I do that as part of you know maybe I commute to an office every day and and how do I find things like little meditation techniques I can do before lunch or doing a gratitude journal right at my desk so I don't forget it and and those kinds of things to uh, can carry on and continue the progress into the real world, <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a study that just came out not too long ago about silence and how we need more silence. And uh, silence even changes parts of the brain 
and uh, reconnects it. And um, I believe that most of those changes were in the hippocampus, and that's a very important part of the brain for lots of different functions systemically. And I'm kind of curious about something like silence, meditation, and prayer. You know, where does that fit into this four-step process? How important are those modalities for establishing a new baseline in the brain? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. I know you and I haven't ever talked about that, but I kind of feel like there's more and more. I mean, you're you appreciate literature. You know, you're an engineer mm-hmm. by training, so mm-hmm. you're a problem solver. And so when mm-hmm. we see a lot of these scientific studies really problem solving through right brain modalities mm-hmm. I feel like that's the beautiful bridge of integration of science and spirituality so mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious about what your science side says about that and then maybe what your more spiritual um, kind of the, the creative side of you actually does with that information is that something that you actually even bring into any of your work either personally or professionally Yes, I think it's hugely important. And I would also add (laughs) something I've noticed maybe more recently is silence isn't just like what we hear, like turning off the volume, if you will, but also turning off the volume of like our connectivity, like turning off the the Wi-Fi, (laughs) stop Mm -hmm. reading, stop looking, stop watching. And then it's really silent, okay? Like sitting on their phone scrolling in, in a quiet place isn't silent, silence, and it's not giving yourself a break. And I think I, know, <laughs> I noticed that when I was traveling, and sometimes the Wi-Fi wouldn't really work on a train, like a six-hour train ride or, you know, obviously a long, long flight or something like that. And, and yeah, it's a long break to just sit and and have some ideas I would find myself like turning on my notepad and just like writing down all these great ideas mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was finally like taking a long enough break to hear my own thoughts instead of hearing everybody else's thoughts so that's my my uh I guess addition of like silence is more than just the noise and the, and the stuff we hear in our ears <laughs> you know I really like that uh, I wrote down what you just said turning up the volume of connectivity you know, I was just recently taking a road trip. It was a five and a half hour drive from Western Washington to Eastern Washington. And there's all kinds of different landscapes in between. There are mountains, like really rugged mountains with snow. And then mm. there's really dry tundra, like desert. And mm. all the different landscapes almost become like, you know, they're changing our neuronal firing. They're changing how we think creatively and so Mm -hmm. I like what you said because there were times that I was in the car that I had no music on I wasn't listening to a podcast or anything it was just silence and it was just amazing how you know you just let your mind empty out like the brain Mm -hmm. needs to dump and just to process everything that has been stored up and what you have is the magical expanse of the sky you've got all these beautiful clouds that are just kind of taking those thoughts away with them and mm-hmm. it, it's such a good feeling. In fact, it made me feel that, wow, maybe I need to take road trips more often as like a therapeutic <laughs> thing, like just for silence, because I'm on the plane a lot, but the planes aren't silent. They're noisy really and mm-hmm. they're toxic. But, you know, being in the car where you can stop and go, you can um, get good food, you can turn on music if you want. You're kind of in your own bubble, but you're you're really interfacing with nature at a, a, a different, um, I would say, it's a different entry point, you know, and, and mm-hmm. really embracing that if you can. And I'm not talking about sitting in traffic kind of sure. silence. I'm talking about, like, the, you know, you're out, out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I like so, what you said. That, that's a nice yeah. turning up the volume of connectivity. And you also said giving yourself a break. <laughs> like that. So that's something I work with people a lot. Like it's really hard to get <laughs> people just getting started into this to give themselves a break and even five minutes, like just going outside and getting some sun at work, um, you know, during the day can reset your whole afternoon. And when people finally do it, they're like, oh my gosh, Aaron, I, I, my afternoon went smoother. I got more done. Even though I took a break, I'm like, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a matter of like, starting it and trying it though um oh the other thing on the silence i was remembering um this is something i learned from dr keisha dr keisha you are such a I, mm-hmm. you. um she said on like a kind of an energetic or, or spiritual level like um some forms of migraine um are like your body's trying to get you to withdraw and take a break <laughs> because yeah. you've like overwhelmed yourself so I think just listening to that instead of, I mean, there might be certain occasions where you, you know, are going on stage, you have to push through it. But in most cases, I think it's really important to listen to that and, you know, turn the lights off. Um, I find like massaging the feet with essential oils, really soothing and, and grounding and, and some quiet. And that can be enough to just get over, get, get, get through it before it gets really bad. If, you know, you respond to that message or your body's like, stop, I need a break. <laughs> Pay attention to me. You know, I, I once had a patient who said to me that illness is the Western form of meditation. And oh. I just love that. I don't even know who said that originally, but it so spoke to me because everybody kind of has their thing. Like for you, it was migraines. For me, it was mm-hmm. endometriosis. For other mm-hmm. people, it's their, um, you know, they, they're not feeling good in their bodies for various reasons, different symptoms and different organs. And so it's kind of like, that's our subtle reminder to stay present, right? It's kind of like, mm-hmm. Deanna, you've had way too much. You needed to take a nap now. You need to go to bed early. You need to eat um, these foods now. It's kind of like, you know, maybe that's just something to pay attention to. I, I do like that mental, emotional connection. And, you know, that uh, it may not be pleasant, but it keeps us in check in some ways. Yeah, which, I mean, I've learned over time. But earlier, you know, when I used to have all these migraines, I wouldn't do that at all. I would just take some medicine, <laughs> still go to the event that I was supposed to go to. I would still show up and uh, it took a long time to kind of learn to listen to those symptoms. Now, if it's like getting a cold or something like that, it's like, okay, I was overscheduled. I need to take a break. <laughs> mm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for having this conversation. It's a relevant topic. So many people need solutions and need to know uh, who they can work with. And so your website is www.engineeringradiance.com. That's very clever. <laughs> Engineeringradiance.com. Um, any final words before we part? No, just thank you so much for um, having me. I hope this helped people. And yeah there's lots more about root causes of migraines and all that kind of stuff on the website since we didn't get into everything but if people want to learn more you're welcome to stop by and have a look (laughs) thank you thanks for your generosity and and really wanting to help people um out of their pain so it's been lovely and i'm going to remember you as purple so whenever i see you um i'm going to embrace purple and and remind you and i hope you're wearing something purple (laughs) (laughs) i am now (laughs) super well thank you so much aaron it's been a delight thank you too